Welcome to the premiere episode of the CFF Commissioner's Corner podcast. I'm your host, Keith Needham, a proud CFF commissioner for 16 years now and counting. This pod is intended to discuss all things college fantasy football and how the real world affects our beloved fantasy leagues and players. Weekly rankings, previews and reviews, transfers, injuries, and suspensions are all fair game, as well as a little smack talk and some shenanigans along the way. In this initial episode, myself and weekly contributor Jeremy Butterball Van Curen both make our preseason predictions for the 2020 CFF season. In future episodes, we'll be interviewing CFF experts from across the country and we'll also provide a weekly preview and review as the 2020 season unfolds. We're incredibly excited to launch this new podcast on the Sports Pros Network and we appreciate you, the listeners, for giving it a chance. So without further ado, here it is, the CFF Commissioner's Corner Podcast, Episode 1. Welcome, everyone, to the CFF Commissioner's Corner Podcast, part of the Sports Pros Network, where we're always talking sports, so let's start the conversation. I'm your host, Keith Needham, and I'm joined in studio today with my co-host and good buddy, Jeremy Butterball Van Curen. Butterball, how you doing, brother? I'm great, man. Another year older as of yesterday. The big 39, be 40 next year, I guess I'll be over the hill. Well, I, I, but I'm, I'm sure, still under the hill right now. So. I'm sure our listeners will be wishing you uh, all the uh, the best birth, birthday wishes as I am here uh, while we're live in studio together. But uh, well, Butterball, you know, before we get started, you know, I, we always want to kick off these shows, and we think it's important to show some love to our primary sponsor, and that's Chalk Sports Bar. So Chalk is Oklahoma City's premier luxury sports bar, located in Chisholm Creek Plaza at 1324 West Memorial Road. Follow Ben, Chad, and the whole Chalk team at the web on the web at chalkokc.com or follow them on Instagram at chalkokc. It's the best damn sports bar in Oklahoma, and there's no better place to have a conversation about college football and watch the games on the dozens of big screens at Chalk. Always the favorite, the Chalk Luxury Sports Bar. The best damn sports bar Period. Absolutely. No no better place to watch the game. So we love those guys at Chalk and appreciate all that they do for us. So, well, Butter, you know, it's it's a busy week in college football. You know, college football kicked off in earnest last week. Uh, you had a few games, a lot of G5 conference games that uh, that, that went off on Saturday, uh, September 4th and 5th, kind of that weekend there. But, uh, you know, let, let's do a quick review of some of the games that kind of took place and, and really that jumped out to us from a fantasy perspective on the opening weekend, if you will. I I would probably argue that you know this weekend, September 12th, is probably the real opening weekend. You get the Big 12 and the ACC coming into play as well. But you know, one of the games that kind of stood out to me, Butter, from a uh, from a fantasy perspective, uh, was that of Army in Middle Tennessee State. And so going into the season, I think most of us had Asher O'Hara pretty high on most of the uh, fantasy quarterback rankings. And man, you want to talk about coming out and just taking a steaming pile of shit on the middle of the field? Army slapped them around, man, forty-two to nothing. Uh, the uh, the Black Knights over Middle Tennessee, and I think Asher O'Hara actually ended up getting benched in that game. I think he was worth negative points. But what stood out to you? I mean, you had to be surprised by that Army Middle Tennessee game, right, Butter? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I mean, with the forty-two to nothing score, Army was able to run the ball and run the option just like they normally do. Uh, Sixty-two carries, three hundred and forty yards. They, they dominated 
the running game, were able to control the clock, and obviously Middle Tennessee State put up a goose egg. So, I mean, they obviously controlled controlled the clock and uh, played Army football, which is what we're used to seeing, and um, got the job done. I mean, like, like you said, I mean, last year Middle Tennessee, Astro O'Hara was a pretty good fantasy football quarterback, but not on Saturday. Um, the Black Knights, I mean, obviously controlled the game. Um, Astro O'Hara actually went out of the game at some point in time and uh, didn't come back. And uh, like I said, Army was able to run the ball with their their option, their their running game, and control the clock. Yeah, and if, for those of you out there that was betting on the over-under on how many passes that Army was going to have in this game, uh, there were a total of four, but they did complete two of them. So two out of four uh, for the uh, for the Black Knights on on the passing game there. But as um, you know, sixty two rushes. So yeah, pretty uh, uh, definitely an Army type of game in that one. And so um, a surprising result. Not not so much that maybe Army won the game, but just the the, the margin of victory and the uh, the relative dominance there. But you know, another game that stood out to me on that opening weekend, Butter, uh, was that of uh, Marshall. 59 to nothing over Eastern Kentucky. And so not so much that, that Marshall won the game and dominated, but, man, I'll tell you, if there was a standout in that game, we all know Brandon Knox, the uh, the uh, stud running back that uh, that Marshall has, but a young freshman, Grant Wells, at quarterback, absolutely lit it up. Uh, did you catch any highlights of that game? You know, uh, the, the, the Marshall quarterback, as a freshman, he's pretty impressive, man, I'm telling you. Uh, he's definitely climbing up my ladder on my draft board. Um Four touchdowns, 307 yards. They win 59 to nothing. But he was really, really dominant, looked really, really good. Freshman quarterback, I mean, that in our league, I mean, if you can get a freshman quarterback and keep him all four years and he puts up numbers like that, that gets you success and that can win you some championships. Yeah, Butter references our league there. So he and I have been in a league for 16 years and counting now. And so ours is a true dynasty league. And so you draft a freshman, you get to keep him until he graduates or goes pro. And so definitely a high priority, a high premium on freshman quarterbacks, especially those not, it's one thing to play as a freshman, but it's another thing to perform. And so, yeah, 300 yards, four touchdowns, a pretty impressive uh, performance by Grant Wells. Uh, and again, you know, temper expectations, perhaps a a little bit, you know, we're not going to pretend that Eastern Kentucky's defense is uh, is the next Alabama, but uh, uh, still a pretty impressive uh, debut uh, nonetheless. But you know, one of the trends of opening weekend butter uh, that we saw was a lot of blowouts, and maybe in this weird, you know, COVID nineteen, you know, a lot of a lot of practices uh, being limited and things of that, that nature. We shouldn't be totally surprised by that. But one game this weekend that kind of bucked that trend was that of SMU and Texas State. So it ended up being thirty one twenty four victory by SMU. You know, obviously a lot of fantasy stock in the SMU and the Pony Express down there and Shane Bouchelle, Reggie Roberson, and, and, and those guys. But uh, what stood out to you in that Texas battle, uh, SMU at Texas State, Butter? Well, I mean, there wasn't any scoring in the first quarter, you know. Uh, tied 14-14 to at halftime. Texas State, I mean, I thought they played a really good football game. Obviously, they, they had their their backup quarterback in. Uh, their first-string quarterback was out. Uh but, I mean, they fought tooth and nail to the very, very bitter end. They were able to – they lost the game, but were only – they lost by seven points to, I believe, it's going to be a very, very good SMU team. Shane Bouchelle, who, I mean, he's a Texas transfer. He can throw the ball. I mean, they throw the ball down there quite a bit. Uh, yeah, 300, 367 yards passing. So he, so, he had the passing stats. It's not, not a lot of touchdowns from a fantasy perspective. 
Yeah, and then um, also, I mean, Texas State. I mean, they have uh, have some have some really big offensive linemen down there. Uh, I'd like to give a shout out to Dalton Cooper. He's a he's a Preg Red Devil, uh, number seventy three. He's from my hometown. A hometown hero playing at Texas State. Yes, sir. So, you know, I, I think you know uh, Spavital is going to get them going. Right. It seems like they're going in the right direction, and they they had some had some wiggle to them on offense at times. And so I think uh, uh, Brady McBride is that quarterback that you'd kind of mentioned for Texas State that uh, uh, you know had some had some ups and downs during that game. But, uh, but yeah, it would be interesting to see what they do in the in the Sun Belt this year. And so they 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 probably played a little. You know, certainly it was a closer game than what we all thought. And so was that, you know, SMU not playing at the level that, that they're capable of or or perhaps is it that, uh, that that we're sleeping on Texas State a little bit. So that'll be a fun one to watch as we uh, kind of move forward. Hey, I, I will tell you this. Uh, whenever I look at this game, the SMU versus Texas State game, kind of reminds me of that movie back in the day, Necessary Roughness. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, because... Texas the, State University, right? Yeah, well, green and white, yeah. Well, it was uh, the Texas State Fighting Armadillos. Yeah, the Fighting Armadillos. Yeah, and then... But they played, like, the Southwest Texas State uh, Bobcats. But, you know, I mean, SMU, Texas State, the, kind of the same storyline, which that <laughs> might have been kind of where that came from. Yeah, I don't know. If, I don't know if Sinbad's on the roster there, so we'll we'll have to look into that, right? So we'll, we'll do a deep dive on the uh, on uh, the Paul de- Blake, yeah, thirty de- four year old freshman quarterback. Do a deep dive on the depth chart after this podcast is over with, and get back to everyone. So, but uh, you know, I, I think the 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 premier game, the Saturday night game, was that of Arkansas State and Memphis, and so you know the game didn't really disappoint. You know, ended up being a, a victory for Memphis, thirty seven twenty four. You know, Memphis. Memphis was was clearly the better team, uh, although Arkansas State showed flashes from a fantasy perspective, at least as to as to what we, we expected from them and what we saw from them last year, right? With a, a combination of Logan Bonner er, earlier in the season, obviously he got hurt. Lane Hatcher comes in, and uh, uh, that 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 talented uh, a crew of wide receivers, Omar Bayless, who's in the NFL now, but uh, Jonathan Adams. Uh, as well last season, and uh, he had a few catches as well. But you know, Memphis, I, I think that they're a pretty good team this year, Butter. And so I, I kind of like them in the AAC. I, I like Brady White, but uh, you know, what stood out to you from the Memphis and Arkansas State game Saturday night? A lot of the people who picked Memphis, I mean, expected them to cover. Which I mean, obviously they, I don't think they did. I think the the point spread was above thirteen points. Arkansas State actually had a lead after the first quarter. You know, Brady White. Now you could actually probably call him a seasoned veteran. He he's been down there. Um, don't have they lost some guys to graduation. I mean, some of their receivers and some of their uh, their running backs. Uh, Patrick Taylor, I think, being one of them. And obviously Kenneth Gainwell opting out for yes. the season again. That was a big loss. Yes, so. but I mean Memphis. I mean, they still looked really, really good and really, really solid. I mean, they're going to score points. I mean, with uh, the offense that they run. Yeah, and you know Rodriguez Clark was was the running back for Memphis that kind of took that starting role uh, after Gainwell opted out. And, you know, twenty rushes, one hundred and five yards, and a touchdown, and it seems to be the guy that uh, that's going to fill that role. And and that position has been so productive over the last few yes. years. You know, you, you think about Darrell Henderson a few years ago, who I think who got was drafted by the Rams. I think he's still on the Rams roster. And then you mentioned Patrick Taylor, and then obviously Kenneth Gainwell kind of coming out of nowhere to a certain degree last season, but that that's a productive uh, position the, for sure. The Memphis running game, I mean, actually, I mean, 
goes back as far as uh, D'Angelo Alexander. It's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's that's a, that's a, that's a good callback there. That's several years ago. Golly, that, so. his name was D'Angelo. Alexander. I think D'Angelo Hall. I think wasn't it? Or no, uh, D'Angelo Hall might have been a cornerback. I'm I'm getting mixed up. But you're right. It was D'Angelo. Uh, something I can't remember uh, who who had him in our fantasy league twelve years ago, ten years ago, whatever it was. But uh, uh, you're right. I mean, it's been a traditionally a productive position. And and you know, we think about you know Mike Norvell, you know, left uh, Memphis, took the head coaching job at uh, at Florida State uh, in the off season, but they replaced him with the offensive coordinator Ryan Silverfield. So there's still some continuity there from an offensive standpoint. And uh, and again, Brady White. He had a terrific performance, four uh, four passes uh, or four touchdown passes, I should say. Senior, uh, steady leader, and you would expect uh, Memphis to continue to produce uh, uh, throughout the uh, the fantasy season for sure. D'Angelo Williams is who D'Angelo that was. Williams. Yes, there yes, you go. Okay. Yep, yep, yep. So good, good, good callback. A game that I think you know from a from a neutral perspective, I was really looking forward to you know the contrast of styles and BYU and Navy. And man, it it kind of it, it fell flat pretty early because you want to talk about just an ass kicking. I mean, BYU uh, come out and lay the smack down, and this thing was over with from the get go. But I don't know if there's anything that we can take away from this from a fantasy perspective, but other than BYU is is better than Navy, and and Navy needs to get back to practicing uh, blocking and tackling in person. Uh, which they, I think they come out and said afterwards that they hadn't uh, uh, done some full full pad practice or tackling and blocking at least uh, in preseason camp. And, man, it showed Monday night. But um, any thoughts on that uh, that blowout Monday night? If they haven't done any full pads practices, I mean, they obviously were just going through the motions, I mean, uh, which is something that you really cannot do uh, in college football. And, I mean, it really showed. Um, that's a game that I watched on Monday night. I mean, I think I turned it off probably th- – I think I turned it off through the second quarter. I mean, it was just very, very, very disinterested. Or I was very disinterested in the game because they were just – they came out, they hit them in the mouth, they run away with it 55-3. to three. Navy could not get their, their running game or anything going at all. They did create, I think, a turnover early in the first quarter – where it looked yeah, it like an interception, I think. Yes, yeah, I think you're right. Where it looked like that they were going to show some like signs of light, but then they they couldn't do anything. I mean, to me, it looked like BYU was just so so much more prepared than than what Navy was. You know, it was interesting in the sense that you know you think about you know a military academy. We we, we talked about Army earlier and how disciplined they were and how good they looked in Week One against Middle Tennessee State and the, the big blowout there. And you you thought Navy would have the same. And, and BYU is 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 a unique school in the sense that you know a, a lot of those kids are, are older, right? They're 24, 25 years old. They've gone on mission trips. You know, they're, 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 there's a certain level of, of uh, uh, maturity about that team that, uh, that, that some other college teams perhaps don't have. And so you, you thought that both of those teams might come into that game and be, and be a little bit more competitive. But uh, certainly was about as lopsided as you can get. Again, 55-3 I think was the final there. But, you know, the, the other big thing that come out from a news perspective this week, from a fantasy uh, standpoint at least, Butter, it really affected our conference, man. And, and so the Big 12 had had three games postponed that were planned for this coming weekend, uh, that being Baylor, Louisiana Tech, Oklahoma State, Tulsa, and then SMU, TCU, all postponed. A couple of those games, I think, are going to be played the following weekend on September 19th. The Big 12 kind of scheduling in a bye week there after their uh, opening weekend, this coming weekend at least. But 
you know, just going to be one of those things that I think we're going to have to deal with throughout the season, Butter. But it was kind of crazy that, you know, three of those games were all in the Big 12, uh, kind of close to our uh, uh, neck of the woods for sure, man. But uh, what are your thoughts on that? Baylor, Louisiana Tech, uh, OSU and Tulsa, SMU, TCU, all three of those games are, if you were going to go to like an away game, if you could have fans, I mean, they're, those games are games that you would want to go to if, if you're a fan of any of those teams, you know. Uh, it's it's unfortunate, but I mean, I think it's just kind of the times that we're in. I mean, it's going to be, it's been weird all year. I am very, very glad that football is starting, but I mean, I, it's going to be a weird college football season. Um, we're definitely going to uh, have to deal with this kind of deal until further notice. And it's just something that the schools, they're going to have to deal with. And I mean, from a, definitely from a fantasy perspective, I mean, you're going to have to deal with it too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And and we should note, you know, we're recording this on a Thursday evening here on September 10th. And, and there was one game uh, that uh, kicked off uh, week two uh, the, tonight, and that was a uh, Miami and, uh, and UAB. And, and Miami was victorious in that game 31-14. And, and you know, saw Derek King, right? So he he's very – um, highly ranked, and it depends upon you know which expert you uh, you listen to as to uh, where De'Eric King at quarterback is going to fall for for Miami. But played pretty well. Not a lot of passing stats, but Miami kind of dominated this game on the ground, and so uh, De'Eric King had a rushing touchdown as well. But you know Cameron Harris had a big game from a statistical standpoint, but looked like he went out of the game with kind of a scary, kind of an ugly knee injury at one point, and so. You know, still waiting on some reports on that to kind of see uh, what his status is going to be. But it didn't look good on on camera for sure. And so hopefully uh, he'll be fine because he certainly looked pretty good through the uh, the first three quarters of that game, give or take, and uh, had a long touchdown run early in the first quarter uh, for 66 yards, but uh, put up some good stats. But, you know, any any thoughts on Derek King and kind of Miami going forward uh, in, in the ACC, Butter? I mean, I think Derek King, I mean – I think he's kind of the real deal. I mean, I got to watch him firsthand last year uh, whenever Oklahoma played Houston uh, at Norman. Uh, Oklahoma beat them, but, I mean, they scored uh, they scored quite a few points. And I think after after that game, um, and, and it might have been that game or the game after, I mean, that's whenever he decided that uh, he opted out, decided not to play. I think he the yeah, played the first three or four games or yes, whatever it was yes. and, then, and then opted which, out. Which so. with the new transfer rules, I mean, he he could do that. You know? Butter, that, that's kind of the news. And obviously we're looking ahead to Saturday when, when the biggest slate of games is going to come up. And we'll, we'll talk about some of those games a little bit later on. But, you know, we, we want to have a quick discussion because this is, you know, it is the CFF Commissioner's Corner podcast. So we really do want to focus on the fantasy aspect of college football and how much fun that is. And I'm telling you, you know, the college game lends itself well to the fantasy game as well. And it's such a broad and much more of a diverse set of, of players and offenses and uh, uh, guys and teams to pick from. And so we, we really enjoy it. And again, we've been doing it for 16 years now, so, so we must enjoy it. So, But, uh, you know, I, I want to have a little bit of a quick discussion on league setups and draft and kind of things to think about, you know, given that the season is kind of getting off to a goofy start, right, with COVID and some of the postponements and Obviously, you know, you have the Big Ten, the Pac-12, uh, the MAC, and the Mountain West all opting out, or I shouldn't say opting out, that's a player thing, but postponing their fall football season uh, to perhaps January or to the spring. Now, And that's a, a, good, of, that's a good name for a fantasy football team, Goofy Starts. Yeah, Goofy <laughs> Starts. Um, now, now, a little bit of talk about, you know, is the is the Big Ten going to maybe perhaps make an about-faced and uh, uh, change uh, their, their – uh, 
uh, tactics on, on when they're going to start the season. Again, politicized to a certain degree, it certainly seems, but uh, who, who knows, right? Are they going to start in October? Are they going to start in November? Are they going to start in January and play in domes uh, uh, during the uh, the winter months in Big Ten country in the Midwest? You know, we'll, we'll wait and see. But, uh, you know, one of the things to consider is that, you know, most leagues – seem to be kicking off, you know, week one for their for fantasy purposes is that weekend of September twenty sixth. So two two weeks away as we're recording this podcast. And obviously that's because when you have most of the Power Five conferences coming into play, right? So the SEC will be kicking off play. The uh, the Big Twelve will be kicking off conference play. And then the ACC, the majority of the ACC will be playing that weekend, along with the three G five conferences, right? The American Conference USA uh in the Sun Belt. But more the more games we have, the more weeks we have uh, the better off we are, but uh, our league is no different. We're kicking off uh, our week one will be uh, uh, September twenty uh, sixth, and our draft is going to be the weekend before September nineteenth. And so, you know, butter, I think you're in the same boat. But we would advise everyone to push that draft back as 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 late as you possibly can, given opt outs, given postponements, given schedule changes. You know, the the later you can wait before you actually have to pull the trigger on drafting players, the better off you probably are. Oh, yes, sir. I mean, um, it would be nice if, like, we had a crystal ball, you know I mean, like, and just shake it. Hey, is this guy going to opt out or is he going to play? He's know? more of a magic eight ball this year, man. It's a different answer every time you shake it. So, But, yeah, I mean, I think uh, moving it back, I mean, I think that's definitely the, the right call. I mean, that way uh, you can kind of get some sort of a feel of who's all going to be there. Realistically, I mean – this is for all the fantasy people too. It could change from week to week because we don't know who's going to test positive or who's not or what their procedure is going to be if they do. I mean, obviously, they're probably not going to play. That's something that everybody's going to have to check from week to week, day to day. It's going to be a different college fantasy football season. I mean, different, you know, just because they're not on the injury report doesn't mean that they're necessarily are going to play or not going to play. I mean, uh, yeah, and we, we, we saw that get, uh, make some headlines this week. You know, our, our, you know, our Sooners, right. The co- head coach Lincoln Riley, you know, kind of saying, Hey, he's not going to release results of, of, you know, who's tested positive and who hasn't, you know, if, and when it does come up and, just for purposes of a competitive advantage. And so a little, little bit of, I, a, and, a, and, you know, and, and ruff, think, ruffled feathers at least. I, yeah. I think it could be, a competitive advantage, but then I also think the confidentiality too. I mean, that's yeah. You get into you know <laughs> we we deal with it from a fantasy perspective in college. You know, so often is that you know they're not required to uh, release an injury report every week the way that the NFL is, and so you know even the NFL you know plays uh, plays games with that. You know, I think. Uh, the Patriots and uh, and Belichick was always uh, uh, notorious for that. I think uh, Tom Brady. There was never a week in his twenty year career in New England that he wasn't on the injury list for for some sort of knock, whether he was questionable or probable or day to day or whatever it was. So to a certain degree, you got to take that with a grain of salt. But you know, in college, they don't have to do that, right? So you, you really have to scrape and claw and uh, and turn over rocks to find good uh, injury information. You know, whether it be through Twitter or. Uh, or, or some inside sources, right? So, but uh, yeah, it makes it makes it difficult to kind of judge that. And it's going to be, you know, it's always been difficult, but it's going to be uh, even more difficult, I think, in this uh, weird, goofy uh, 2020 season. But Yeah, I mean, perfect example is like, you know, I mean, if I was working for you, Keith, I mean, and I called into work sick, I'm just going to tell you, hey, I'm sick. I don't feel very good. I got the stomach flu. 
Because you don't want to hear the specifics. Oh, my God. I'm shooting through a fucking screen door. <laughs> we're not, we're not going to get into it, right? So <laughs> I'll take your word for it. So, um, But, you know, so so one, one of the other other tenets or other things that you have to consider from, from your fantasy perspective this year is that, you know, obviously if you're going to push back a couple weeks and you're going to draft later and your season's going to start later, you know, it's going to be an abbreviated season to a certain degree. And, again, our league's no different. Most leagues are going to be set up with a 10- or 11-week regular season or 10 or 11 week season, I should say. And that, that would probably end up with eight or nine regular season games. And then, you know, a couple uh, of, of weekends for playoffs. And so, you know, our plan right now is to move forward with a 10 or 11 week season that would end, you know, either November 28th or the weekend of November 28th or the weekend of December 5th. But, you know, one thing you have to kind of keep in mind, gang, is that if you're going to make that those last two weeks of your season a playoff, which I think most uh, fantasy uh, league structures do now, you know, one thing you'll have to consider is that most of the G5 schools right now are not scheduled to play on the weekend of December 5th. So you kind of have to take that into account, right? So if your if your league takes into the American, the Conference USA, and Sun Belt, you know I think there's been one game that's been postponed to uh, December fifth, but I think it was uh, Louisiana Monroe and somebody from the Sun Belt that had a postponement. They were supposed to play this opening weekend um, uh, due to COVID reasons, and they rescheduled that game for December fifth. But that that may be the only G five. Uh, uh, schools that are currently slated to play that first weekend in December. So, you know, depending upon how you're structured and how, how you're set up, you know, you might want to consider making that last weekend in November your regular season game. And so, you know, it kind of sucks, right? Because we, we want more weeks, right? So the, the longer the football season is, the better from a fantasy perspective. But we're probably going to be looking at an abbreviated season this year, probably eight or nine weeks uh, for the most part from a regular season. And then you know, hopefully – Fingers crossed, we get two weeks of playoffs at the end. But you know, what what are your thoughts on that, Butter? So, how does that factor into your strategy from a draft perspective going into it, knowing that the playoffs might be a little wonky at the end of the year? It definitely makes you decide like who you're going to draft and who you're going to pick. And as far as like your margin of error, you can't have anything slip up. It's just like the honestly, I mean, it's just like the uh, the teams that are playing. I mean, they're playing pretty much conference schedules, so their margin for error is very, very, very slim. They have really no preseason, just like the NFL. Usually you're looking at three games before you go into conference. Now, I mean, some teams are playing one. Other teams, they're just going right into conference. The The margin for error is very, very, very little for this year. I mean, fantasy-wise and in real life-wise, I mean, uh, on the field. Main thing that I can give you advice on is just I would uh, make sure to check your roster whenever you draft. Make sure that guy, you know for a fact that he is for sure going to play, which, like I said, we don't have a crystal ball. Do your research and uh, check who you're drafting. <laughs> yeah, you, you can't rely on an outdated uh, preseason rankings uh, 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 brochure or a uh, or, or a pamphlet this year for sure, right? So somebody went through and did their preseason rankings back in June or July. Uh, there's a good chance that uh, you might as well just wad that up and throw it in the trash because things have changed so much uh, over the last, I mean, week, let alone the last 30 or, or, or 60 days that uh, uh, your information is going to have to be up to date and you're really going to have to do your homework this year. Uh, so so that's certainly for sure, and that's a good point, Butter. But you know, one, one thing to kind of consider as well 
depending upon again how you how you structure your uh, your playoff and your postseason. And our league might be a little bit unique in that you know we've always used the bowl games in the past to help determine our champion, right? So so for our league, those last two seasons or last two weeks of the regular season uh, in real college football would be a, a cumulative two week playoff. And then the two winners of that would actually square off and use their players' uh, performance from the actual bowl games, right? So for the 35 or 37 bowl games or whatever there is now, we would use their performances and scores from those players uh, in the bowl game to determine who our champion is. And so, you know, it certainly raises a big question this year is like, well, are there how many bowl games are there going to be, right? So is, you know, anything outside of those big six bowl games and the actual playoff games, are, are those going to take place this year, right? So you, I, I was really looking forward to the uh, Duke's Mayo Bowl and um, was hoping they would bring back the old Poulan Weed Eater Bowl this year, Butter. But, you know, <laughs> I, I think that those those uh, lower-tier bowl games, for lack of a better term, are, are probably pretty tenuous this year uh, for sure, given the uh, the COVID situation and, and given that you know the fact that we're you know, 60 or 50, 54 teams down, right? So uh, usual D1 is 130 teams, and I think we're down to 76 teams that are actually playing this year. And so, you know, not everyone can make a bowl game, right? So the uh, the goal is to uh, get to 500 or better uh, to be eligible for a bowl game. But, uh, you know, what are your thoughts on that? But are, are we going to have bowl games uh, at all this year? I mean, I would like to see bowl games, but thing is, I mean, what what makes bowl season so, uh, so fun is uh, the people – going to the bowl games, you know, I mean, that's the revenue for the bowl games is what's, what's big for the bowls. And like, if you've never been to a bowl game, I honestly think that you need to go to one because just the experience, I mean, which the bowl games I've went to were all OU games and they were Rose Bowl, Cotton Bowl, um, Orange Bowl, Peach Bowl, and the Sugar Bowl. Which yeah, there was, there was a stretch there where it didn't turn yeah. out so hot, Butter, so. Yeah, I know, but, um, but that's what generates the revenue for the uh, the bowl games is putting people in the stands. And if people can't go, you know, I mean, like right now, like I think OU's like 20,000 to 25,000 people, which, you know, the bowl games are so much later in the year. Like I said, after the election, maybe this thing will all be over with. But um, it would be frustrating and very, very, very sad if we didn't have a slew of bowl games because. You know, I mean, that's what I look forward to around the holidays. I mean, um, whenever you're spending time with your family, whenever you're hanging out with your friends, I mean, watching college football in December and in January, I mean, that's has been like a kind of like a tradition for everybody. I mean, it would be sad if it didn't happen. I mean, but like I said, you know, I mean, right now it, it's three, four months away. I, I hope that we have bowl games. For sure, I mean, I would think that we would have some sort of a playoff. I mean, it's all scheduled right now, but you know, I mean, who knows? I mean, with with what we're dealing with right now, I mean, it. I mean, it's anybody's guess, but I mean, I would like to say, yeah, I mean, yeah, we. If I was uh, gonna make a prediction, yeah, we're gonna have bowl games. I mean, but how many people can go? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's kind of like the old adage, right? If a tree falls in the forest, you know, d- does anybody hear it? It's like, yeah. well, if you have a bowl game and no one attends, uh, d- did it really take place, right? So, but, uh, um, you know, one, one other thing, last thing I, I would say to consider for a league structure and league setup standpoint, to, to kind of help cope with the, the variability in the 
you know, unknown uh, that kind of goes into this season because of COVID and some of the goofy things that are going on would be, you know, maybe you consider roster expansion to kind of help help your league members fill potential postponements and things of that nature that might affect their team. And so, you know, that's something that we've done this year, Butter, in our league is that our roster, uh, for the most part, has always been 20 players. And so we've decided to expand that to 27 players this year, you know, despite the fact that there's fewer teams playing, obviously. And, uh, and so, you, again, you're going to have to do a little bit more research on that front to kind of dig deeper into the depth charts uh, for the 76 teams that are playing but you know the thought being that hey look you know if you have two guys that have a game get postponed midweek and and you're you're going to be screwed right so well you have an extra seven guys on your roster then hopefully uh, that roster expansion will give you more flexibility uh, to kind of take on what we would expect uh, to continue to see throughout the season right games being postponed midweek or early in the week and uh, in, in kind of throwing a wrench into your plans as to who's going to start on any given week. But, you know, thoughts on that, Butter, with regards to roster expansion and, and allowing some flexibility for players? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it can be good and bad. I mean, uh, I, I think it's definitely good this year. The only problem is it's like there's teams in our league that uh, that have players, really, really talented players, like on the, on the Big Ten. You're going to have to make decisions whether you're going to keep them or whether you're going to cut them. If you cut them, Butterball or Keith could pick them up. <laughs> it should be noted that uh, that Butterball and I are both rebuilding in our dynasty league, so so we're we're looking at freshmen and sophomores kind of moving forward. So so 2020 was going to be a lost year for us from a fantasy uh, perspective, anyways. And so no no better year to be rebuilding in your dynasty fantasy league than 2020. I, I certainly uh, from from our perspective, at least, right, Butter? Exactly. Oh, I mean, like I said, usually like it takes me a year to rebuild, and then I'm back to where I was at. I mean, I don't have six rings like you do, but I like to think that I've been pretty successful in my fantasy football career. So it's I, all it's all relative butter. Depends upon how you measure success, right? The, the so. thing is, I mean, I don't I, I don't have the hardware to prove it. I mean, like there's <laughs> I'm sure my name's like in a women's stall someplace, uh, like Butterball. <laughs> Cole for a good yeah. time. <laughs> Speaking of hardware, in studio, uh, the, the trophy is actually right behind us right now as, as we're recording this podcast live. And so uh, uh, the, the hardware is here in studio. Uh, and yeah, I was I was the 2019 champ and it was actually back to back 2018 and 2019. So uh, we have a traveling trophy and uh, it's 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 within touch, touching distance, Butter, but you can't touch it because you haven't you haven't earned it yet. So. Yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't touch any of his rings. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, well, butter. You know, let's let's get into the main topic uh, of of this podcast, at least the, this initial podcast that we have. And and like so many podcasts this time of year, it, it's preseason predictions, right? So looking forward to the twenty twenty season. You know, who we think are going to win certain conferences, who's going to be in the playoff, who's going to win the Heisman Trophy, all the fun stuff that uh, you get to look back on at the end of the season and realize just how silly you were and how terrible your predictions were. But, uh, you know, hopefully you and I can, can, can buck that trend butter and our preseason predictions will be better than most. But, man, let's jump right into it. And, and, and I want to jump into it with probably the easiest conference to pick, at least making the pick. Now, whether it turns out this way, you know, who knows. But let's start with the ACC butter. No, no surprise, no shock. You and I both have the Clemson Tigers uh, winning the ACC this year. But but talk a little bit about Clemson and, and why it's so easy to pick them to win that conference this year, Butter. 
Uh, you got Dabo Sweeney as the head coach. You got our old defensive coordinator, Brent Venables. Really good on both sides of the ball. Trevor Lawrence, I mean, has lost two games, I, I think, dating back to high school. I think we were talking about it earlier. I mean, he's lost his high school state championship and then lost to uh, lost to LSU last year, which they're going to be a fun team to watch. And um, they've got talent on both sides of the ball. No, I, I agree. And, and you know, I, I picked Clemson Butter. Uh, again, not not a shocker, right? It's, it's really going with chalk there. But, you know, I, I think there there's something has to be said for both Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne coming back this year. Both of those guys, Trevor Lawrence at least, you know, he, he could opt out this year and get ready for the NFL draft, and he's been so vocal and so adamant saying, absolutely not, I want to play. And then Travis Etienne, you know, last year, I mean, he, he could have gone pro last year and decided to not do so and come back for an extra year. There's an aura of, of, of unfinished business amongst this team, right? So, you know, they won it, you know, two years ago. They get to the championship this past season and, you know, kind of ran into a, you know, a team for the ages in, in LSU and, 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 you know, lost, you know, it's 42-25, I think was the final score down in the Sugar Bowl for that game. But I say Sugar Bowl, it was in New Orleans, but uh, for the national championship. But I think this team has a little bit of, uh, of, of unfinished business. So I think they'll be sharp uh, for sure coming in and, and definitely like them to win the ACC for sure. But, you know, runner-up, I, I think you and I, again, we both agreed on this, Butter. We both like North Carolina uh, to be the runner-up in the ACC and the team that Clemson overcomes in the ACC championship. But talk a little bit about Mac Brown's team and what you expect from uh, from the Tar Heels this year. I mean, you got Sam Howell. He's, I mean, he's <laughs> he was really, really good as a freshman. Uh, Mac Brown's First year back in coaching. First year at uh, North Carolina was uh, was last year. I mean, uh, took him to a six and six record average. But um, man, I mean, he's got a really. I mean, has got like really really good recruiting classes. Both of his years there, um, they're going to have another top class this year. Uh, Mac Brown, I mean, former Texas coach. I mean, he he knows how to win. I mean, he, he actually former Tar Heels coach. I mean, he was at uh, North right, Carolina yeah. before he was at uh, Texas. It's an OU uh, offensive coordinator. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, yeah. Got, and, got and, the North and, Carolina and, job. Yeah. And his brother was offensive coordinator at OU. Yep. But I mean, he Watson, knows that, Watson Brown, right? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> he knows how to win. Um, it's, it's in his genes. Obviously he's a really good recruiter. I mean, he recruited the crap out of Texas, but I mean, just a, just a good football coach. No, I agree, Butter. I think Mac Brown, uh, really good coach and, and, and such a likable character, right? So you, it's easy to understand and easy to see, you know, how he would be such a good recruiter. Um, he's just he's just a likable personality. And so uh, um, you know, we agree, right? ACC uh, both have Clemson over North Carolina uh, in the uh, in the ACC this year. But let's go to a, let's go to Big Twelve country, Butter. Our our neck of the woods, our backyard. We have the same two teams, but we disagree. And so um, let's uh, let's hash this out, Butter. But who's your Big 12 champ? Who's your Big 12 runner-up? And, and give me the reasons why, man. Boomer Sooner, man. You got Spencer Rattler. Want to eat Butter? Yeah, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you got Spencer Rattler. You got Lincoln Riley. Great coach. Yeah, we are replacing some really, really good talent on offense and defense. But let's lock and reload. I hope I'm wrong, Butter, and I hope you're right, man. More more so uh, than ever, but I've got the Texas Longhorns uh, over our Sooners. So I got Texas winning it. I got OU as the runner-up. And, and, and really, you know, it boils down to what you just mentioned, right? OU replacing so much talent 
uh, on offense. You, you think about Jalen Hurts and C.D. Lamb, but uh, you know a lot of other guys as well. Now, offensive line remains relatively in t- intact, and I think that offensive line is going to be really, really good, which is important whenever you're break- breaking in a new quarterback, even one as talented as, as what we we know and expect uh, Spencer Rattler to be. But Texas, you know, you get the senior quarterback and Sam Ellinger. You've got uh, the head coach who who probably needs it and Tom Herman, right? So the seat is warm. I don't know if I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's a hot seat, but it's definitely warm. And and I think it just, you know, one of the things you have to consider too is that OU's won it five years in a row, and and we can't win it every year. But are we we got to let the other Big Twelve schools win every once in a while, otherwise they'll they'll quit and uh, go to the uh, the Big Ten or the uh, the Pac twelve the way. Uh, uh, Colorado, Nebraska, and I guess A and M did as well. So you, you got to sprinkle it Missouri. in. Let, yeah, yeah. Let some of these other teams uh, uh, win every once in a while. And, and I think it, it comes down to man, if Texas doesn't win it this year, you know, when when are they going to win it? And so I, you know, I I really dug into the numbers and and got deep into the Big Twelve side of it. And, and I wanted to pick Oklahoma State. Um, I think that offense is is going to be outstanding. Going to be outstanding. Yeah, definite yeah. playmakers. But I think the question, as always, with Oklahoma State, and, and to a certain degree it's the question with most of these Big 12 schools, especially when we get in the playoff or on these big national stages, is is how's that defense going to hold up, right? So I don't think there's going to be uh, a lot of question marks or a lot of uh, uh, terrible performances by the Oklahoma State offense. I think it boils down to is their defense uh, going to be able to bow up and, and make a stop in some of those close games down the stretch. But uh, we both have Oklahoma and Texas. You have the Sooners uh, uh, overcoming the Longhorns in the Big 12 championship. I'm going to take Texas this year. Uh, I hope I'm wrong. I hope you're right, Butter. But uh, that, that's that's the Big 12 from our, our point of view. But let's jump down to the SEC. And we, have, we, we do have some differences in this one, Butter. But I'll go first on this one. I like Alabama. Uh, to win the SEC, uh, SEC West for sure, and I like them to win the conference outright. And and I'm going to take Florida in the SEC East. I, I think with Jamie Newman opting out at quarterback for for the Bulldogs, and then JT Daniels, you know, he's, he's been practicing, but he hasn't been cleared to play. I just think the Gators have perhaps fewer questions than Georgia. I know Georgia's defense is going to be incredible. Um, that, that That's a given. Uh, but I think they have a few questions on offense now with some of the uh, uh, recent uh, guys that they've had leave. You know, DeAndre Swift and some other players go to the NFL draft. And I think quarterback is the biggest thing. But I think that defense is going to be really, really good. Uh, I think Kyle Trask, you know, probably not the most talented quarterback in college football, but I, I do Gets think that done. he – Yeah, he, he's a steady hand on the wheel. And uh, and, and I like that Florida uh, rushing uh, rushing attack to kind of really get going this year uh, with, a, with another year in that offensive system. And so I'm going to go Alabama over the Gators in the SEC. But give me your two teams in the SEC. Who's the champ and who's the runner-up, Butter? Uh, I'm going to go Florida – as the SEC champ, and I'm going to go Texas A&M as wow, the okay. SEC runner-up. There's a bold prediction. I like it. Like I said, I like uh, Kyle Trask. Here's a here's a good one. Trask task is the lead is to lead the Florida Gators to the national title in football. That's um, from the Miami Herald. <laughs> that's a pretty good. Uh, well, if that's all you have to do, then it's easy, right? That's a, that's a pretty good <laughs> slogan. Uh, but I mean, I like him. Um, I mean, I think they're loaded um, down there at the swamp. Always competitive football. Lots of um, lots of good recruits down there. I mean, um, I think that they were, you know, just a couple plays away from um, from actually um, getting to where they needed to be last year. Starting out at number eight, but I mean, I I think that they're going to take a jump. A and M, 
They've got Kellen Mond as their quarterback. They've got a lot of skill players. Jimbo Fisher definitely knows how to uh, – he's won a national championship, won one at Florida State. I honestly think that Texas A&M, this is, this is their year to, uh, to kind of uh, compete in the SEC instead of going, uh, you know, 9-4 and four or 10-3 or, uh, and three like what they've been doing. I think this is their year to kind of uh, kind of get over the hump, kind of compete with the big boys. I mean, like I said, I mean, I – you know, I mean, they play Alabama, they play Florida. I mean, they have a tough schedule, but, I mean, you get through your first two games, I think you can get it accomplished. I think that's one thing to highlight with A&M is that that schedule, you know, out, you know, start off with Vanderbilt, and you have to expect that that's probably going to be a win. And then at Alabama and then Florida uh, coming to uh, uh, College Station the week after that, October 10th, uh, those two games are going to be tough. You're absolutely right. But the schedule from an all-SEC schedule standpoint, which is no cupcake, but – it's relatively manageable the rest of the way. They get LSU at home uh, in late November. I think they're going to be down this year. Yeah, so. yeah, I, I agree. And we'll, and we'll get to that here in a little bit later. But, uh, uh, you know, they finish the season at Auburn uh, on December 5th. But, you know, if there's a season that, that you know, A&M might sneak up and, and do it this year, you know, this this could be the year. But I think it boils down to that week two game, right? If if you're going to pick them to come out of the SEC West, they're, they're probably going to need to beat Alabama uh, and, and probably going to need to beat LSU as well. And so they get LSU at home, but at Alabama in that second week, uh, that first weekend of October, is going to be a biggie uh, for the Aggies there. But uh, we both have Florida. We both like Florida from the SEC East, but uh, I'll take Alabama from the West. And, and Mac Jones, Bryce Young at quarterback, right? Who, who's going to be the starter there? I, I think I think Mac Jones will be taking the snaps in game one, but it will be interesting to see uh, who's uh, who's taking the snaps perhaps in, uh, in November as the season progresses, but uh, do, do you think if uh, to his brother would have uh, stayed, do you think he would have been? Uh, yeah, it's, t- quarterback yeah it's tough to say. You know, he never really got a shot, at least from what we saw. You know, uh, from from an outward facing standpoint at Alabama. But you know, I, I'm sure a talented player, but you know, maybe not at the same level that Tua is. But uh, you know, obviously transferred to Maryland, and then you know the Big Ten opted out, and so uh, or postponed it again. I should say that uh, uh, won't won't get to see him in 2020. It seems. I will say this. One of the things that excites me about the SEC this year is we're going to get to see a lot of Mike Leach uh, news conferences after the games. I mean, just, I mean, he's just a, he's a great person to watch for interviews and stuff like that. I mean, he tells you how it is and he's pretty damn funny. You you would have to say that uh, uh, Mississippi, the state of Mississippi might be the epicenter of weird shit uh, from a college football standpoint this year, right? You have Lane Kiffin at, uh, in in Oxford uh, at, at Ole Miss this year. So, and then Mike Leach at Mississippi State. Yeah, that, that should be a fun uh, fun rivalry uh, as, as it kind of moves Just forward Just put on there. the boxing gloves. Yeah, yeah. Ni- <laughs> neither one of those guys pulls any punches uh, whenever they're uh, uh, giving their assessments uh, at the uh, at the podium, both uh, post-game and pre-game. So that should be a lot of fun. But, uh, but let's move to the group of five conferences now, and let's take a look at the AAC, the American, which – for all intents and purposes, probably the strongest uh, of the of the G five conferences, uh, even with uh, Mountain West, the Mountain West and uh, and the MAC kind of opting out this year, or postponing uh, uh, the fall season. But uh, you know, who do you like in the American this year? And kind of give me some of the reasons why. Um, I like Memphis to win uh, the whole uh, the conference and be the champion, and I also like Heupel, uh with Central Florida. Both of those teams, I mean, Memphis looked really, really good against Arkansas State. Uh, UCF, I mean, they uh, have quite a few 
quite a few of their players coming back. They developed their quarterbacks down there, it seems like, you know, which, I mean, Heupel, I mean, he's a he's a qu- former quarterback, uh, former quarterback at OU. That's a position that he knows really, really well. And uh, both of those teams are going to be really, really high-scoring offenses. But I think Memphis, uh, I believe Memphis is a champion, and then uh, I believe Central Florida is the runner-up. But, I mean, I think both of them are going to have great years, and both of them are going to have high-scoring offenses. Yeah, I think there's a two-week stretch there in mid-October to where Memphis hosts Central Florida, and then Memphis uh, goes to Cincinnati on, on Halloween night at the end of October there that uh, are going to be decisive games there in the AAC for sure. Uh, and, and so I think it would be also interesting to see, you know, kind of how those teams interact with some of those, you know, can they avoid the upset, right? So I don't think that there's any – you know, real debate that Memphis, Central Florida, and Cincinnati are probably the three best teams in the American Conference this year for sure. But, uh, you know, Cincinnati gets gets Memphis again October 31st, and then they go to Central Florida uh, at the end of November, uh, November 21st there. So, you know, who can avoid the pitfalls? Uh, and, and, and maybe they all end up, you know, kind of kind of beating up on one another, right? So there may be a kind of a three-way tie, which would be interesting for sure. But uh, I, I'm with you, Butter. Uh, I've got the same picks, and I hate to keep agreeing with you. Again, I guess I, I do. Uh, I don't mind agreeing with you if you end up being right when it's all said and done. But uh, uh, I like the Memphis Tigers to win it. Again, senior leadership at quarterback and Brady White. I think the continuity of, of keeping offensive coordinator Ryan Silverfield as the new head coach, despite Mike Norvell leaving for Florida State, uh, is a big deal, and then I, I like Central Florida as the as the runner up as well. Uh, Dylan Gabriel, you know, the quarterback down at Central Florida, you know, really showed some flashes and some promise as a freshman last year. Uh, and he's a lefty too; he's always kind of fun fun to watch that throwing motion as a, as a lefty, just like Heupel was uh, at OU 20, 20 years ago, man. So we're getting old, butter, but uh, uh, but I, I'm with you. I like I like Memphis uh, to win the AAC, and I like Central Florida to be the runner up there, but. Let's let's jump to Conference USA, Butter. You know UAB again. We mentioned them. They played tonight. Uh, they they got got beat up by Miami a little bit. But I don't, you know the expectations were uh, it would have been a big bonus had they gone down to uh, to Miami and won that game there. But uh, uh, so so not not really a big detriment to them um, for losing that game tonight, at least for conference purposes. But I like UAB to win that conference, man. So I, I like. Uh, um, the uh, the Blazers and, and what uh, what what Bill Clark has done there, and again, it's crazy to think that 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 program was on life support a few years ago, and really, yes, it, yeah, I mean, yeah. what it was dead. I, I think to a certain degree, maybe not well, life support is the, the right way to say it, but they uh, were out for like what one year? It's two years, I think. Yes, I think it's two years. Yeah, yeah. So kind of kind of crazy. At, at how he's been able to rebuild that program. And, again, they're in Birmingham, right? So, out of the state of Alabama, it's kind of a recruiting hotbed. And you have high school football is a big deal there. And so, there's a lot of talent to pick from. Uh, but uh, I think I think he's done a really impressive job. And, you know, he, he has to be in consideration to, to, at some point in time, to maybe take a, a Power 5 uh, uh, conference gig if it pops up, especially if he wins uh, the Conference USA uh, uh, this year with uh, with UAB. But I, I like UAB – over Western Kentucky, so so give me the hill hilltoppers uh, from the uh, uh, the other half of Conference USA, and 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 so I'll, I'll take UAB from the West. I'll take Western Kentucky from the Eastern Division, and uh, give me UAB to uh, to go ahead and win the conference outright. But uh, who who do you like, Butter? Who do you have in now, Conference USA? I, I like the Thundering Herd uh, over UAB, and the thing is, I think UAB is a has done a tremendous job i mean being out of football for a year two years and and getting right back up to like uh where they're at now they're doing really really good things for that program and like you said 
Alabama has like some really good football players. I mean, it would be hard to recruit against the Crimson Tide, Auburn, but you know, I mean, UAB's doing it. They're getting, you know, maybe some of the lower tier players, but the players in Alabama, pretty damn good. Yeah, so, it's a, it's, a, it's a deep core to pick from yes. for sure. So, you know, um, maybe not on the same level as Texas or Florida perhaps, but not 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 that far behind either. And and go back to go back to Marshall just for just a second. I mean, Brendan Knox, stud, 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 stud. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we talked about you know the performance on opening weekend of that young uh, freshman quarterback Grant Wells, right? So if he keeps that up, right? If that if that wasn't a one off, you know, given the level of competition was Eastern Kentucky, if, if he plays at that same level, you know, throughout the throughout the season, he's consistent. Then yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think Marshall has a real shot not only to uh, to win the East but the to win the conference outright. So so maybe maybe not a crazy pick there, uh, depending upon see, how that young quarterback develops. See Marshall, that's where that's where Randy Moss went, right? It is yes. Okay, twelve and zero, I think. Back uh, yeah, year? Chad Pennington, I think year. Yes. Yeah, 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 I think yeah. that's right. So again, many many moons ago there too as well, but. Uh, uh, you know, be be uh, be fun to watch that conference, and, and and again, I think that that level of play at Conference USA, at least at the top half of the conference, is is pretty interesting, right? So they they've got some good teams and uh, and some intriguing matchup matchups there uh, as as we kind of move forward. But l- let's jump to the Sun Belt, butter one of my favorite conferences, right? The Fun Belt, and uh, uh, again, similarly, we we have the the top two teams, we have the the, the champ and the runner up are, are are picked together here, but we we differ on who's going to win the conference outright, but I'm going to go with the Raging Cajuns, man. Give me Louisiana. I love what Billy Napier's done uh, in his his uh, his few years there at, uh, at, at in Lafayette. Uh, I like to uh, to kind of give them. Um, uh, uh, this is going to be their year, right? So Appy State has kind of dominated that conference for the last few years, uh, but uh, I think Louisiana gets them this year, and I like them uh, again over Appy State uh, to win the. Uh, uh, other side of that uh, that conference, but uh, give me uh, Louisiana over Appalachian State uh, in the uh, Sun Belt this year. So who who do you like in the Sun Belt, Butter? Man, I like Appy State, but I also have them facing off uh, in the conference championship against Louisiana. I mean, Louisiana, I like Louisiana. I mean, they run the ball uh, last year. Um, I mean, I had Elijah Mitchell on my fantasy football team. Great, great player, uh, Trey Regis. But um, this year, I mean, I, I think Appalachian State, the home of Dexter Coakley, uh, <laughs> former Cowboy linebacker, all five foot two of them. <laughs> um, I think that they they figure out some way to uh, pull it off. I mean, Appalachian State. I mean, one of their biggest wins. I mean, back in the day, they beat Michigan. Yeah, yeah, it's true. So block that field goal at the end of the game, right? Yeah. So yeah, everybody remembers that. I don't. I, I'm trying to think how many years ago was that? Seven, eight, nine years it was, ago. Now it was so, Lloyd Carr's it last, was Lloyd Carr's year. last year. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that team ended up going to the Citrus Bowl and, and uh, either beating Florida or beating beating they one all, of the SEC I mean, that teams. was like yeah. I think they lost yeah. two games that year. That yeah, was yeah, one yeah, of them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so no, that, that was a pretty good squad. So that yeah, that Happy State. That's one of those upsets that'll. Uh, uh, live on in college football history for sure. So, but uh, uh, Louisiana, Appy, Appy State, we we both have the same teams. You'll you'll take Appy State to win the conference again and repeat. I'll take Louisiana uh, to uh, to get their first conference championship. And and I would expect if if that happens, Billy Napier he'll be taking a P five a uh, power f- uh, five conference job if, uh, if he's able to uh, to to pull that Man, off uh, with the Raging Cajuns. It's kind of crazy that I mean, and maybe he's been offered one and just hadn't took it. And he's had some really, really solid teams down there. 
Yeah, it's the same thing, right? He Fundamentals, right? So you block, you tackle, we're going to run the football, we're going to play good defense, or, or at least try to in, in the Sun Belt. It's a little more challenging down there, but uh, I, I think he's a good coach, right? So, uh, But uh, he, he won't be long for Louisiana. I think at some point in time uh, he will be getting a job at the at the P5 level for sure. So, well, Butter, let, let's get into you know some, some other little superlatives, if you will, for, for postseason or at least uh, preseason projections in predictions for who's going to uh, finish at the end of the season. But, you know, one of the categories that we have is that of most surprising team or perhaps maybe the overachieving team, right? So that might be the uh, the better way to put it there. Who is going to be your most surprising team or perhaps your overachiever for the 2020 season this year, Butter? I mean, I honestly think it's going to be North Carolina. I think that and believe that they can go into the ACC and be a top 10 or be a top team in the ACC you know, I mean, they have uh, a pretty solid schedule. They've got good quarterback play. They've got really, really good, a really, really good head coach, Mac Brown. I just, I feel like that they're going to be really solid. I mean, their their schedule is uh, is pretty favorable, where they could have a solid, solid, solid season and a really, really solid run. Yeah, well, I I couldn't decide, Butter. So I had two teams that uh, that I was really kind of coin flipping on, and they're they're kind of out there choices and stuff. But you know, I I had to pick two teams here, and I'm going with Boston College, and I'm going with Kansas State. Okay, and so let me start with Boston College. You know, they have they have Jeff Halfley coming in, uh, new head coach uh, coming over from the Ohio State. Um, uh, program there, uh, defensive under, coordinator. Yeah, defensive yeah. coordinator. I think, and so, so I think they're going to have an upgrade in in, in head coaching ability there after uh, getting rid of Adazio, who's who I think is at Colorado State now, and was in the headlines for some wrong reasons. I think in the off season for sure. But you know, I like the fact that uh, they have the uh, the Jerkovic kid. Uh, I think it's Phil Jerkovic that came over from uh, from Notre Dame, I believe. I think it was a transfer from there. Um, you know, a highly recruited kid, big kid, right? So 6'5", 230 pounds, um, big, strong arm. And so I, I think I, he he was cleared uh, to come in and uh, and be able to be eligible to play for Boston College early on. And so I think they've had some uh, uh, decent transfers come in. And, and I think that that's an area that that's kind of underlooked from a recruiting standpoint as well. And so I really like what Halfley, uh, uh, his philosophy, and what what I think he's going to be able to do. They're young and, quarterback. Too. Yeah, in, in an <laughs> ACC standpoint, you know, they outside you think about those three teams at the top, right? Clemson, Notre Dame, and um, in North Carolina, which we talked about a little bit earlier. But I think the rest of the ACC beyond those uh, those top three teams, it, it's kind of wide open. And so, you know, it wouldn't shock me. You know, the expectations are relatively low, but you know, maybe Boston College goes five hundred, right? So maybe they go six and five or five and five or something like that, and maybe get into a bowl game, which you know isn't crazy. But it wouldn't also shock me for them to kind of sneak up and win a couple of games that maybe they shouldn't uh, in this early year. And so maybe they go six and four or, or, or seven. Maybe they get to seven wins. So uh, don't be shocked if that happens there. But the other team that I picked was Kansas State. And, and you know, Chris Kleiman, I think what he's doing at K-State, you know, we, we unfortunately uh, felt it firsthand as Sooner fans last year, uh, the, the, uh, the only regular season game that OU lost uh, at Kansas State last October. But – you know, I, I like what he's doing there. You know, I, I like the, uh, the 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 type of maturity that he brings to that program. You know, they have a lot of starters returning on offense for sure uh, for K State, and so you know, don't be shocked if Kansas State ends up going seven and three in the Big Twelve and uh, and maybe uh, pulling a couple upsets this year. Hopefully, it won't be OU this year because we get them at home in the uh, the conference opener. But uh, don't be shocked if the Wildcats pull a few more upsets and, and finish a little bit higher than maybe what all the experts 
are, are predicting uh, predicting them to finish. But other end of the spectrum, butter. So most disappointing team, and I'll, we'll go in reverse order here, and I'll, I'll kick it off. But my most disappointing team from a preseason proje- projection standpoint is the uh, the LSU Tigers, and so. Disappointing teams, I think, have to be looked at from a context of like what the expectations are going to be. And obviously, coming off a, a historic run last year, fifteen and zero, you know, one of the best offensive football teams that I think college football has ever seen. Preseason ranked in you know in the five, six, seven range, depending upon which ranking you look at. I just think it's you know, they've lost too much talent. You know, just uh, Joe Burrow is, is one thing, but they they lost a ton of talent on both sides of the ball. I'll we saw, yeah, Jamar Jamar Chase opted out. You know, last week, uh, right before the season's getting ready to kind of go, and, and and I just think the expectations uh, are probably a little too high given what they lost. And so, it wouldn't shock me if LSU goes six and four in in a conference only uh, SEC schedule. You know, maybe seven and three somewhere in that ballpark. But you know, as a top five, top six team, I just don't see it this year. I think they lost too much, and that schedule is going to be too difficult. Uh, to overcome. And so I, I like them at six and four, seven and three at the absolute best going into the 2020 season. But most disappointing team, Butter, who, who's your pick for most disappointing given the expectations that they may have going into this season? I'm going to say Notre Dame. And the reason I say this is because uh, this will be the first year that I can remember that they actually have to play a conference schedule. I think first year ever so far as we know, yeah. They don't get to pick and choose who they get to play. I think it's going to be tough for them. I really do. They'll have to figure out a, a game plan week in and week out. And, I mean, they don't they don't get to pick and choose who they play. It's going to be structured for them this year. I mean, I think they're 8, 9, or 10 this year in the preseason rankings. I mean, I think that they're going to be a 7-3 and three team. You think about the teams that are on their schedule. You know they have to. They host Clemson uh, in November, and then you'll have to go to North Carolina uh, at late in the season as well. And so, so th- those two games in and of themselves will, will will be difficult for sure. You know they open up with Duke. Uh, you know South Florida is their non conference game. So at Wake Forest after that. So you would expect them to start off three and zero, and then Florida State comes to town. Louisville, I don't think is a, is a gimme. Uh, after that, and then at Pitt, you know that that's a that's a game that they've uh, you know kind of been a traditional team that they've played off and on well, well, uh, throughout the years. But well, one of the games that I wish that they would have played this year, which it's not on the schedule, would have been the Hurricanes because you know back in the eighties it was the Thugs versus the Catholics or something like that. I'm yeah, not. convicts versus Catholics. Yes, I think yes, what it was. Right? Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah, or Catholics versus convicts. I yeah. can't remember which but, one came I mean, first. That would have. I mean, that would have been a great storyline this year. You know, I mean kind of the situation that we're in with you know i mean like only playing conference games only playing 10 games i mean that would have been that would have been a great storyline this year really i mean you could have anticipated that game and you could have um you know i mean had a lot of uh just a lot of uh Histo- history going yes, into that history, game. Yeah, yes, history, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, you talk about history of a game. You know, they, they are hosting Florida State uh, on October 10th, and so that was a, you know, a one versus two matchup, you know, back in the day under Charlie Bob, Ward, wasn't yeah, it? Bob, yeah, Bobby Bowden and the Lou Holtz era and yeah. stuff, and so that, that was a was, crazy game. Was, so, uh, uh, 90, was, 93 maybe, 92? Uh, so. uh, was it Rob Muir? 
Oh, I don't know. I, don't, I, I definitely remember Charlie Ward at quarterback. So and, be, and Lou Holtz. A, uh, Lou a, Holtz versus Bobby Bowden. A deep, deep yeah. pull, butter, deep pull for sure. So, but uh, but you know, there'll be some good history behind that game. But uh, yeah, I, I I can't disagree with you, right? So I, I think the schedule shapes up to where they've got some tough games, and so you know, I think given those expectations that they're ranked in the top ten this year, you know, if they end up going six and four or seven and three, then yeah, that's going to be disappointing, right? This is a a team that that's expecting to be competing for the playoff at year end for sure. So, but uh, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens there. But the traditional uh, preseason pick butter that uh, that that most of uh, uh, college football prognos- prognosticators always have to make is that of the Heisman Trophy, right? So, you know, we we think about uh, uh, you know who who won it last year again. Joe Burrow. A, a, a tremendous run, historic run, and really it was almost a unanimous landslide. Uh, that's a great sound right there. Uh, a, a unanimous landslide, uh, uh, landslide, I should say, a winner. But um, you know, who who do you like going into the uh, 2020 season? Again, you know, fewer players to pick from, from sure, but uh, for sure. But who who's your pick for Heisman Trophy this year, Butter? Trevor Lawrence. The reason I say that is because he'll get it done. <laughs> I mean, he's he's proven he can get it done. Uh, he just doesn't have the hardware to show it yet. Yeah, and a, a chalk pick there. He he's he is the uh, prohibitive favorite uh, to win the Heisman on on any of the Vegas books that, that that still have the Heisman posted. Right, some of those books have taken their lines down, uh, given the the goofy nature of college football right now. But I, I'm going to go with his backfield uh, teammate, Butter, and I'm going to go Travis Etienne. I, I think. I think for Trevor Lawrence's perspective, he's proven uh, he he is an, an exceptional talent. But I think that there are question marks out at the the wide receiver position for Clemson that you know might take a little bit of time for those guys. You know, Joseph Nata and, and uh, Armani Rogers and uh, uh, some of those young wide receivers might take a few weeks for them to gel and develop. And and I think they're going to pound the rock with ETN early on in the season. Don't don't they have one uh, the wide receiver that that got hurt? Yeah, Justin Ross, I think was that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's he he's out for the season. Okay. Um, and and he he was the number one target coming back in. So that that's kind of my my point I mean, there is that they they have some unproven talent and pure talent for sure. So they're five star guys that they've recruited. Uh, you know, jump off the charts from a high school film tape, but they haven't really done it uh, on the big stage just yet. And so I think that's going to lead to Travis Etienne. Uh, in, in, in that offensive line kind of paving the way early on in the season and perhaps padding uh, ETN stats during the first half of the season to let those mm-hmm. young receivers develop. And so I'm going to go with uh, with running back Travis ETN. You know what I like about both of our picks? They're both football players. Absolutely. I yeah. mean, you got to love I mean, both those kids. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> now there's uh, uh, e- either one would probably be a deserved winner at the end of the season, just based upon the body of work that they've uh, uh, put forth over the last couple of seasons as well. But uh, probably a pretty good chance that both of them might be in New York when it's all said and done. And I'm assuming that uh, uh, they'll, they'll get to go to New York in person and in, uh, in December, but uh, we'll, we'll see uh, what the uh, downtown uh, athletic club in New York, uh, what, how COVID changes their scenario. Hell, it might be all, uh, uh, completely a zoom uh, uh, Heisman trophy, uh, uh, presentation well, or ceremony this year well well butter getting down to the last two topics man and it's probably the most important topics from a uh, uh, uh or at least important categories i should say from college football standpoint but the playoff man who, who's going to be your four teams and and give me the reasons why clemson man i mean they're a complete team <laughs> florida another complete team i mean um good quarterback play good defense alabama they've got the coach to get them there. Everybody else, uh, after their 
good for a year. I mean, they rebuild. Alabama reloads. And then my last pick is the Oklahoma Sooners, baby. I think Spencer Radler can take us to some new new places that we've been before. I mean, new places in the Lincoln-Riley era. Yes, we do have to uh, replace a lot of wide receiver talent. Kennedy Brooks is going to be – he opted out. But, you know, I mean, the thing is – that's what we've been doing for the last couple of years is recruiting. As long as our recruits, we can get them to pan out. Uh, I think we'll be golden. Um, and like I said, like OU, I mean, it, it's kind of like the Alabama situation. I mean, we need just, just to reload. One of the things I want to ask you about, Butter, we, we talked about, you know, before the podcast started is that your, your Alabama pick there. Um, you, you, you like them taking the backdoor route uh, to get into the playoff, right? So we had A&M winning the SEC West. And so if Alabama goes 9-1 and one, and then A&M gets knocked off by Florida in the SEC championship, that kind of paves the way for that second SEC team to get in uh, at the, uh, you know, perhaps maybe the number four or, or number three uh, position into the playoff. And so uh, Crimson Tide getting in, despite the fact that, that, that maybe they don't win the SEC West this year, uh, on your projections or rankings, they lose to Alabama. Uh, they Alabama loses to AM in the regular season. Jimbo Fisher figures out a way to beat Alabama. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll get that game early on, so it's going to be fun to watch. But uh, my four playoff teams don't don't really vary a great deal outside of one. But I'm going to go Clemson, Alabama, Florida, and then give me Texas. Uh, from the Big 12 perspective. So, again, I'm not, not going to let my homer show here, but, again, I think, you know, we, we mentioned it earlier when we were talking about the Big 12. If, if Texas doesn't get them this year, then I just don't know when they will. So, OU, again, I hope I'm wrong. Uh, I hope you're right, Butter. But uh, I, I like the other three teams you pick, but it give me Texas as the Big 12 representative, and I think that'll be the four playoff teams. Ultimately, Butter, the, the question boils down to, well, who's who's going to be lifting the uh, – it's not a crystal ball anymore. It's kind of a gold trophy now. But uh, uh, who's going to be lifting that, uh, that that national championship trophy in mid-January? I mean, I hope it's in mid-January. Hell, who knows? It might be pushed into February now. But, uh, might be spring break. Yeah, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens there. But uh, who's going to be our 2020 national champion? It's a weird year in college football. It's been a really, really weird year, kind of all year long in 2020. My 2020 national champion pick is going to be the Oklahoma Sooners. The the homer is showing, butter. So, so there, there it is, right? So I uh, got got to play that for butter, but. Uh, it's you know, been weird, and hopefully it gets weirder. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. So, again, I hope you're right, Butter, but uh, give give me Clemson. Again, I, I alluded to it earlier when we were talking about the ACC. I think they're, they're just a team that has a little bit of, a, a, you know, an attitude of unfinished business, given the way that things unfolded last year in that national championship game against LSU. Trevor Lawrence is coming back. Uh, he hasn't opted out. He's going to play. Travis Etienne comes back, uh, despite the fact that he probably could have been a first-round pick in the NFL draft this past year. I, I think that those two young men – uh, kind of leading the way. And again, we've seen them be so vocal um, about playing and about, you know, kind of the social justice issues and some of the other things that's been going on. Uh, they, they just, for all, all intents and purposes, by all accounts, just seem to be tremendous young men. And I think those, those are the types of guys that you want leading your team whenever you get to November, December, and then January, obviously. And so give me Dab- Dabo Sweeney and the Clemson Tigers to, uh, to raise that gold trophy yet again uh, once we get to January for me, Butter. Yeah, I mean – for Oklahoma to get there, uh, we're it's going to be a major, major, major surprise. 
and then we're going to have to uh, shake, rattle, and roll to get there. <laughs> hey, from an OU perspective, I just hope we win a playoff game, let alone win the national. You just got to get past the first round for once. That'd be nice. I but, mean, it's uh, it's it's gonna be. It's been a weird year. Let's keep getting weird, and let's get there, and let's get stuff done, and win it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Butterball, you know, I think that just about does it for this initial mega podcast. You know, we're up on an hour and 20 minutes now, and so let's get it all wrapped up. But, uh, you know, really all that's left now is to kind of watch the games and, and see what happens and enjoy this, you know, really the what I would say is the real opening uh, weekend of college football this weekend. So, but, uh, you know, for our listeners, Butter, you know, can, can we follow you on Twitter? Can we follow you on social media? You know, yeah, you can follow me, Butterball, a.k.a. Jeremy Van Curen, on Twitter at Jeremy underscore Van Curen or AKA the fantasy professional. And that is without the pro. <laughs> <laughs> so it's at Jeremy underscore Van Curen, right? J E R E M Y underscore Van Curen V all one word V A N C U R uh, e n so uh, appreciate you being in studio with me tonight butter on this maiden voyage if you will of the uh, cff uh, commissioner's corner podcast and man i look forward to doing it again next week and so you know while this will wrap it up for episode one the conversation doesn't end here everyone to keep it going and to also keep up with everything we're doing over at the sports pros network check us out at fantasysportspros.com or on twitter at sports underscore pros and that's pros with an e p-r-o-s-e so fantasysportspros.com or at Twitter at sports underscore pros. Butter and I will be uh, posting our picks, uh, the the uh, kind of a recap uh, online of all these picks that we've made tonight. And, and so so follow us over there and check us out uh, on, uh, on fantasysportspros.com. Be sure to visit Chalk. Absolutely. The best sports damn, the, excuse me, the best sports bar period. Absolutely. So, you know, always always show some love to our, our sponsors and our buddies over at Chalk. So we'll enjoy the games this weekend, everyone. We'll talk to you next week. Have fun. Take care. And we'll, uh, again, we'll be talking to you next week.